0: Chi Chi is a founder of the Female Tech Founder community and this is our podcast. Each month our community gathers together to discuss the issues most important to those starting out in and growing businesses but whether you're a founder or not you'll find some great insights here. This podcast is recorded as part of a live event. For more info please check us out on Twitter we are at techfemale and hopefully see you at the next event.
1: I'm going to um introduce terry board now i actually met terry terry i don't know how many years ago it was like it could be a big about 10 and might even be more like that you know big numbers i think, I think, it's think it good. might be yeah i was hoping to get away with that for a while actually there <laughs> um and uh, we met on a business course actually and at that time i was impressed with terry and what she had done and how many businesses she had been involved in and so, Terry, I'm going to invite you to the stage or to the Zoom room today and tell us a bit about yourself. Give us some background, share a bit of your sort of story and how you got so to here. And then I know you have some exciting news to share at the end as well. So I'm going to hand over to you now and recommend okay. most people go on speaker view, actually.
2: OK.
3: Am I on? <laughs> yeah. OK. Brilliant. Hi, uh, welcome everybody. My name's Terry Bourne. Um, the first thing I'd just like to say is about the um, the pivoting. Um, when Chi Chi asked me um, about you know whether I could sort of talk about pivoting I had to look it up because for me it wasn't a word that was sort of in my vocabulary. I know we've just had a little discussion about that. It's, it sort of just seems like a weird word so I'll tell you what it means. It means a fundamental change in the direction of your business and I've certainly done a few of those so perhaps I have pivoted Um, and she also asked me about scaling and so I'll look that up as well and that's about growing, expanding, developing your business and so I've certainly done both of those things. What I would like to say just at the beginning is that I don't have a, a corporate business, I don't have a multinational, massive, uh, you know, millions of pound turnover business. I've just got um, a business, well, I've got, I've got several businesses, but I'm going to talk about just one of them today, um, and it's sort of, um, it's my bread and butter business, it's the one that keeps us all going, and it, it's okay, it does, it does okay buyers. So I started that in 2001 um and it's a child care business and um unfortunately sometimes when you say childcare business people say things like oh i know a childminder." no not a, not a childminder business it's a child care business and um so we um over the years we've done after school before school holiday nought to five provision preschool um nursery provision and one or two other things that i'll, I'll tell you about later um, and in the early days, um, I just decided that I was going to do this. I didn't want to do it because it, it didn't feel like the right thing to do. I'd come. My background is teaching. I've been um, head teacher in a school in Spain, and came over to England. And I was being asked to run a before school club, so it just didn't feel like it was the right thing for me. But I couldn't get anyone to look after my own children, so I couldn't get a job. So I thought, well, I'll go for it. And that was sort of the beginning. Um, In the next sort of couple of years so within two years I'd got nine different sites Um, and when I say sites that means different schools that were operating they could have operated one club or two clubs or some some of them operate sort of up to four clubs so the, the sort of beginning of my journey was very very fast and furious so much so that within, by 2003, I had to say to my husband, you're going to have to give up work to come and work with me um, in the family business, just because um, it, it was too busy. I was I was, I was sort of a bit overwhelmed. Um, in the next year after that, when my husband joined, we both started running the business, visiting the site, sorting everyone out, training people, the usual things that you do. Um, We ended up by 2005 with 16 different sites. So September 2005, we opened our 16th site. Um, We were operating 33 different clubs, 16 sites within four different authorities. So it was pretty busy. We got a little bit of overwhelm and decided at that point, and I think this was a pivot really. It was certainly a mental thing for me because at that time it was me and my husband struggling to do everything ourselves keeping it in the family and at that point I needed to have someone else helping so I I retrained up one of my managers for her to be a manager within the business so that was quite a, a big stepping stone I suppose for for me on a personal level because I like to be in control I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a sort of you know Control freak maybe I don't know, um, but I, like, I do like to be in control, so to give someone else that authority to say yes or no and make those decisions was was quite a biggie way back in um, probably in about two thousand and four that happened um, and then sort of trying to run all of those different sites, different businesses, you can imagine I had a lot of staff um, i can't remember how many we had at, at the sort of maximum in the 70s 80s um, members of staff that I was um, working with as well and then the recession hit so when the recession hit I'd, I was quite new to business I'd never seen anything like that before I didn't know what was happening what I could see from my little, um, my little sort of space was that prices were going up and but nothing else seemed to be happening. It was, it was all a bit weird. I'd never experienced it before. So I took the decision to, I used to put the staff wages up by what I called increments every year. So I took the decision to put the wages up by several increments because I thought, well, they, they need more money because I can see the prices going up, not realizing it was a recession coming. Um, so just before the recession, I bumped everyone's wages up and um which obviously cost me a lot more um to do and then um what happened during that time was i started to sort of think gosh what if this business won't survive so what i then did this is probably one of your pivots one of your changes was i went to um i went back to college and I thought, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I didn't want to be a teacher anymore, but I, I needed to change tack. So I thought, what I'll do is I'll do HR. So I did a HR degree, a master's degree, at um, MMU. And um, that obviously took me th- several years, three years or so. And, um, but whilst I was doing that, I had to do a dissertation. And finally, I had to do a dissertation. And... I didn't know what to do it on at all because I thought, oh, what's going to happen? I'm not sure. I didn't really want to do it on childcare. Um, So I wanted something else. And I spoke to one of the tutors and she sort of asked me what I did. And I told her and she stood back and she said to me, oh, you're a female entrepreneur. And I thought, well, how bloody rude. How rude. How dare somebody call me an entrepreneur? You know, and all this, that and the other. But I took it, I went back home, looked it up, and I thought, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. This entrepreneur word's not as bad as I thought. So I thought, right, I'm a female entrepreneur, I'm a woman entrepreneur, whatever. So my first dissertation was based on um, women entrepreneurs and work-life balance, mainly because I was in the position where I was really juggling everything that I could to try and run these businesses, my family, etc. So that was my first sort of move into entrepreneurship, which is what I ended up writing my books about um, how am I doing for time are you all right Claire Marie yeah, okay. Yes, you are, yeah. You've got another. okay okay so that was my first sort of move into entrepreneurship and that's important because um some years later I decided that I wanted to go back to college again and do my doctorate still running my businesses And this time, because I ran um, not just the childcare business, I was running um, a technology business, which was another pivot. We decided when the recession hit, it was hard for people to pay for the childcare. So I set up my own childcare voucher company. I don't know if you remember those. They've sort of gone a bit out of fashion now, where you swap your tax insurance for childcare vouchers. So I did that. um, And we sort of... It wasn't a brilliant success. Um, we weren't just using it for ourselves, it was I was doing it for um to help the parents, but we set up a, a whole sort of business around it. So I finished that, I think, in 2015 when the government said we're not going to do it anymore. They did for a few more years, but they said not. So that was quite a pivot. Going back to um going back to college, um, I went back again to college, um, I went to Sheffield University, this uh, Sheffield. Uh, what's it called now Hallam University it's called yeah it's called called the poly when I was there first time Um so my my doctorate was in um, portfolio women entrepreneurs and those are people who um, like me collect businesses in fact in the early days I collected all those 16 businesses and then had to start to think about pruning them down as I was learning more about business and how to do business if you like rather than just being doing it I realized that I needed to be a bit more selective. So we started to prune the business down and prune and prune until eventually, um, during lockdown just, we've ended up with one, actually just one of our not uh, five provisions. So now my whole business has gone from 16, then we added on, took away, et cetera. Um, and we've now ended up with just one of, uh, of the original the, th- the ones that I, I suppose I suppose I've ended up with the one that I felt um was the the best one profitable wise the, an easier one to run in terms of everyone's on one site you're not asking people to do silly hours like would you work from seven thirty till 9 for me and then by the way could you come back at three and work till six because that was that was hard hard times During that time, I also made another pivot, um, which was um, in 2012 to 13, we decided we were going to expand the business into Spain. I've got connections to to Spain, so that's just seemed like a really good idea, really easy thing to do. And we went out there and to set up the outer school provision in in Spain. What we found was that they didn't want it. They didn't understand it. They didn't want it. But it was a really interesting learning curve for us. Apart from spending a year living in Madrid while we investigated, um, by we went in September. By October, I knew it wasn't going to work. But I didn't really mention that to anyone back at home. But what it did do was it enabled me to see if the business could run without me, and that was really important to me because we'd had so much involvement in it. So we took the opportunity to step back under the guise of still still trying to work it out guys you know still trying to see if it's working and that's when the idea about retirement first came in or semi-retiring or looking at ways of running your business without being completely hands-on all the time so that sort of brings me right up to date um with um i wrote a book i wrote a book about. Retiring from your business. The reason I wrote it really was because I couldn't find that book. I could find about when you've retired, how many cruises you can go on, what you can do with the money. I I could find those kind of books, but what I couldn't find was the book that's that really niche bit of when, as a business owner, you are thinking, what happens next? What do I do with all this? How can I make it so that I still benefit? Which was what I was trying to. trying to look at so I wrote the book this is this is the book beginning of the end um and yeah I'll I'll tell my good news now um last night I went to some awards because this this book was um voted into the business book of the world business book of the world (laughs) might might be the world yeah that's the next one one, don't worry (laughs) just the year I think (laughs) and um yeah so it was and it was um shortlisted in the specialist category which it is very specialist so it's not the sort of book that everyone would want to read but it sort of got me going on um I suppose that's a a movement into authorship from my business I've still got the business uh, and the businesses but then I wrote another one um from amazed to amazing and this one is for brand new entrepreneurs because I just thought well when people write books and their business um owners, often they write a book that helps their business. And I looked at the childcare side of things and it didn't really float in my boat, but the entrepreneurship did. And that's why I wrote the two books that I've written so far. Um and I suppose for the future, what I'm I don't know where I'm going to go next. Um I've my business is ticking over and I've got that sorted. Um so I don't really need to sort of be too much involved in that. Um, and I'm sort of toying with the idea about writing again. I've not written anything in lockdown, believe it or not. I wrote both of these just before lockdown and then messed with them in lockdown. And they obviously got published. But um, I don't know where I'm going to go next. Um, I'm, I'm very restless, though, at the moment. And that usually means that something something's going to change, something's going to happen. So that's sort of me really um I've missed some bits out but you know there's 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 various sort of uh, things along the way as you all know with your own businesses and and things where you were uh, um you're trying to do lots and lots of things at the same time which is what I tried to do but then I suppose over the years and it's taken me a long time I've then pruned down I've become more of a businesswoman than a collector because I was just collecting businesses at the beginning, you know, because it was easy. I was, you know, word of mouth, and everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, come and work here, come and work here." So, um, so that's me, really. Fantastic, Terry. Thank you very much. Yeah,
1: I think everybody's gone "Oh, only sixteen businesses and two books and a PhD and Spain and 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 some things I forgot to mention." I think that is that is, that's going on in my head. Is that going on in everybody else's head? <laughs> And I think we're loving the fact that you're, get, you're restless now, you're itchy. So you just know something is going to pop, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and have you, have you learned to have patience with yourself yet and just sort of let it happen? Or do you want to make it happen?
3: Uh, it's very interesting, actually, because I've got no patience with myself. I'm really hard on myself. When I'm setting myself a target, it's going to happen. And I just go a very, very, very focused. However. The lockdown sort of knocked me sideways a little bit because I wasn't in control. You know, I couldn't do various things that I wanted to do. Um, Just before lockdown, we were supposed to be, um, I've got a property business as well, we were supposed to be buying a couple of shops and a couple of offices. And literally, um, I was trying to get it done by year end, which was end of March. We went into lockdown on the 23rd or something like that. So that couldn't happen. Now, for someone to take that away um from me at that point that was massive for me so it did slow me down and it sort of gave me a little bit more patience because i've had to be patient i suppose i do find that very very hard though
1: (laughs) i think there's a lot of people nodding in agreement with you okay so i'm going to open it up to the the zoom room um who would like to make a comment or ask a question or make an observation Terry? So, Natalie, do you have a question or a comment you want to make? Go ahead.
4: I, um, I just had a comment So, congratulations. Um, and you're very prolific. And also, I, I really relate with um, regard to those who know me, you know, I'm always doing something else. I thought, oh, actually, this is not just me. Um, can, I, can I just ask you um, if you would consider um, more of a kind of an LED mentoring type? role to sort of satisfy you in the interim it's it sounds like you have so many skills to offer have you considered anything like that
3: i have um i mean if you look at my linkedin profile it says something like i'll do coaching or mentoring or something like that but that was only the there wasn't many choices to have, so i thought oh i'll have to go for that one and i have done it but i don't particularly I don't mind doing it for
4: free, if you know what I mean. I yeah.
3: definitely want to do it as a job.
4: Yeah. So the NED, so I was thinking more of the, sort of, I guess the NED, I shouldn't have said coaching, but that um, sort of non-executive director, the, that sort of board type, role looking at the strategy and that
3: because on, on this group or on the other group that women are leading in business that so there's a lot of talk about on there which is really interesting. However, I do find that because you're talking about more, you're talking about more corporate organizations. And I don't know if my experience would would be beneficial to yeah. them, you know, because um more small business management.
4: yeah Although yeah no, I'm, I'm talking about private. the entrepreneur for, the, for, for exactly that i was you, it has you know you have that lived experience and uh you know somebody who's trying to go from um kind of micro business to you know small sme um that growth journey is quite specific and it sounds like you've done that quite a few times quite successfully and, uh really really yeah. Uh, could have a add a lot of value there but uh yeah fantastic and um, to hear your story thank you
3: thank
0: you yeah no i totally agree with what natalie said now i'm jumping on the, on the end of that, that to just ask would you see yourself as an investor is that something you've ever positioned yourself as
3: um you mean an investor
0: yeah do you think what you what you've brought in terms of your wealth of experience potentially um you could apply that to a net position as natalie said um would you see could you see that making you an investor or is it something you've never considered
3: well sort of have considered it really because when i said to you that we were buying um, a couple of shops before about 12 months ago um one of the shops the, the person who was there the tenant who was there I was investing as a separate business but the tenant who was there she was really keen on sort of you know the fact that her new landlord would also be able to sit and have a cup of coffee with her and go through things and and help out and things like that so I suppose I suppose I have thought about it and um, uh, in my experience not not my personal experience but people that I've known it's it's all often been a sort of bad experience with investors because investors tend to want um want sort of share of the business and that sort of I don't know if I'm sort of doing myself down and thinking oh well you shouldn't have a share of the business because you know i I sort of think, well, you've got to add the value in to make sure that they're getting their value out of it. Because, um, and I know somebody who went to an investor when their business needed it, and the investor absolutely sucked them dry, and they ended up, the investor ended up taking over the business, and the entrepreneur was sort of left out in the cold with the, having had the great business idea and worked on it. So I've always been a little bit sort of. Um, worried about being uh, a bit like you know in 2006 when somebody called me an entrepreneur you know I don't know if I want to be called an investor because for me I've sort of I suppose I've seen a lot of negative connotations um alongside that having said that you know I am looking for something next (laughs) so it could be that you know you could do you know something like that could happen
1: yeah and that's really interesting Terry because um Chi Chi and I were, you know, Chi Chi's mentioned the angels at Essex, um, female founders and investors. And so we've been playing in that space a bit more. And certainly my understanding has gone up, you know, because there's so many different investment stages, isn't there? You know, depending on where. And the angels can fit this really neat little space whenever you've grown your business or bootstrapped your business up to a certain point. But it's before you sort of go to a wider market. And like you say, those investors that are more likely to exploit a business for their return and that angel, and maybe the word angel is right, you know, they sort of come not just with money, but also with with content and knowledge and expertise to contribute to the business. And certainly there's a lot of research being done around female investors um, at the moment who who want to do smaller amounts of investment and actually want to do it collaboratively okay and and I thought oh that's interesting I mean to me I just thought oh that's very interesting let me find out more about that so again if you're sort of itching and like you don't know what it is yet it just might be a space that's worth checking out look it up in the dictionary and see what you find So, and our next speaker is Jenny Miller. Jenny, I'm going to introduce or uh, invite you to the stage or the Zoom room, yes. and uh, invite you to share with us. I know you've quite a few things you want to share with us about um, untapped. So, do you want to share your journey as a finder? Tell us about yourself, your business, and about um, a few other things you want to share with us today. Sure,
2: sure. Thank you, Claire Marie. I will. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, so first you to imagine me in my mid-twenties uh, and I think I've got the best job in the world. But then I noticed that at dinner parties when someone asks me what I do and you see the mothballs rolling across the floor after I answer, uh, people aren't, aren't that interested. So at the time I was a data analyst for eBay So the eBay bit seemed to interest people, but even I think fellow geeks on the call here today will probably recognise that the majority of people find the idea of data analytics really boring. Um, And then on Christmas, half of the, skip forward a little bit, half of the buses in central London had my numbers on them. So my analysis. And eBay were running a huge ad campaign on the side of London buses saying things like 50 mobile phones are sold every second on eBay UK or 37 Toasty Makers are sold on eBay UK every second and the like. And uh, you probably imagine that that's pretty easy to analyze, actually, but behind the scenes, it was a really different story. So eBay back then didn't have structured data, so we didn't know for sure what each listing actually was. So to identify all the sold items that were mobile phones, for example, it needed some quite complex uh, data querying to scrape the, the keywords in the listing titles. Uh, we wrote a lot of code to take out the false positives. So an iPhone 4 phone cover, if that's your title, that's not actually an iPhone 4, but we pick it up with the keywords and we need to exclude it. Um, and some some really what I thought was a sexy image analysis as well. But so whether it was simple to do it or complex to do it, it was definitely the work that got noticed, it got it was remembered. And that really irritated me um, because we were doing so much work uh, at eBay. It's it's a very um, data-driven business and my team had shaped changes to the platform that drove billions in incremental revenues across the European business. But then it was those little moments in the spotlight, so the London buses that got remembered. Um, But then I eventually realized that it's those moments in the spotlight that pave the way for a wider audience to really engage with what you do, right? It's it's the hook that brought people into the magic of data analytics. And And I realize that now. So then shortly after the London buses, but when I was still at eBay, I turned to my next boring topic Uh, where only an enlightened few realise that it's a really magical business lever and that's pricing. So when I was first approached by the senior leader team at eBay to work on pricing, I wasn't very convinced. Um, It looked really hard. Uh, I thought our customers hated it every time we changed prices Um, and other departments weren't particularly keen either. But I I took the plunge anyway, and my goodness, it's a powerful lever. Um, So you may think about pricing, so how you price your product or service. You may think that's all about driving profits, but it's also a really powerful sales tool and a way to engage with your customer and guide their buying decision. Um, so it was then when it was time to leave eBay Towers and I immersed, immersed myself in the entrepreneurial world that I discovered that founding teams really struggle with how to price what they do. Um, uh, so I found, uh, like, and there's so many common challenges around how to price, right? how to set prices, how to display prices, communicate prices talk about price so that's when i founded untapped pricing and we bring color and energy to the topic of pricing um, and believe that pricing support should be really accessible and digestible and profitable for early stage ventures um, and i've read all the pricing theory books but must say that even though I'm convinced they're dry and they're heavy and they're daunting. Um, and so I decided to go out and find, find those little moments in the spotlight for pricing. So what could be the London buses and what was going to get remembered and pave that wider, uh, that paved the way for that wider audience to embrace with pricing as a, as a key lever in their business. Um, uh, and I, uh, so I did. I recently did two. Uh, did a little experiment. I ran two concurrent marketing campaigns. Um, you might have heard of the value. Uh, you heard of value pricing. Right, so it's a strategy where you align what you charge with what it means to your customer. And it can be quite hard to do, but very powerful. Um, but businesses rarely know where to start. Um, And I think there are a plethora of rather lofty books on the theory of how to value price. Um, And and business leaders tend to get the concept but they can't really imagine how to do it. Um, uh, And so these two marketing campaigns that are running in parallel, one talks about the how of value-based pricing uh, and the other is the same it just opens the reader's eyes to the fact that value pricing is all around us first. So it talks about the price of the can of Coke. So think about how much you're all willing to pay for a can of Coke on a really hot day. Maybe you're the only drink stand at a festival. And then think about how much you're willing to pay for that same can of Coke or right? a real commodity product here at a rundown grocery store and so value pricing that's value pricing um and the, the results so far have been really stark so by humanizing that topic of value pricing that second variant so the the can of coke variant we're getting four times as many click-throughs and three times as many as in, inquiries and so There'll be marketers and marketeers amongst you who aren't gonna be surprised by that at all. Um, But my point here is that I found that your audience needs a London bus to identify with what you do, right? So for all of you, what are the London buses or the cans of Coke for for your business? Um, And as as a founder myself, I've certainly found it very hard to carve out those moments to come up for air. Right, and you, you forget to come up for air and re- help others relate to what we do. Um, uh, uh, but I've learned the hard way that it's that sparkle dust you need to draw an audience, particularly on topics perhaps like pricing, perhaps like data analytics, where the majority of people it, it, it's hard to reach or hard to get excited about um and so now uh untapped pricing really focuses on uh uh, that scale up audience um uh, helping uh businesses to crack their pricing to drive growth um yes i have i have one first uh step to um uh, to suggest that you do if this is sparks your thinking on pricing for your own business at all uh, so we have a, a pricing scorecard. So this is a free tool that gives you instant insight, insight into the health of your approach to pricing now. Uh, it takes four or five minutes to complete a series of yes, no questions, and you'll receive a personalised report packed with kind of practical tips that you can use right away lots of myth busters for raising prices and and steps to designing your pricing structure and and boost your confidence with your pricing decisions so if i have sparked your thinking on pricing at all today then that's a really easy next step just go to thepricingscorecard.com thepricingscorecard.com or reach out to me because i always uh, love to talk pricing
1: great so we have a few minutes left before we finish today and actually there's quite a lot to share there's lots of things happening and um, we've already mentioned the um the whatsapp group um, if you want to be part of that i think natalie will put the details in the chat is that right natalie um, and that's an opt-in group and um, and obviously an opt out if you don't want to be in it. But um, again, we're looking at it as a technique to keep us connected in between our regular monthly meetings, and to be a really useful business forum for us to communicate with each other. Um, Female Tech Founder is also on Instagram now. Um, other things we want to share: so obviously the date of the next Female Tech Founder event, and that is going to be on the twenty third of June which is also i know international women in engineering day so we might be able to pick up a theme there and run with that but we'll certain all us engineers out there will be celebrating in one way or another Uh, for those of you that know about the women leading in business group that i know quite a few of you come to and everybody's invited that's a business forum and it's sort of what it does what it says on the tin it's women leading in business that's the giveaway and the next one is on wednesday the 16th of june it's 9 30 to about 11 normally but next month it's going to be extra special because we were doing it in partnership with the women's international network so there'll be a bit of an international theme and it'll be slightly longer so book out the morning to yourself and please come along to that we also mentioned Angels at Essex, their second female founders and investment network event, which again you're all invited to is on um Wednesday the 9th of June, and that's a lunchtime event from 12:30 to 2. And the link will also be in the chat. And that is a forum to bring female founders and female investors together, and we'll hear the voices of founders and investors at each event. And it's really exciting, so it'll be lovely to see some of you there. We're sort of doing a pairing or a twinning between Essex and Manchester and it's working out a treat. Isn't that right, Chi Chi? Other events that are happening is Fund Her North on the 15th of June and Women in Tech, which is also the 23rd of June. So there's lots and lots coming up in the coming weeks. And if you've got anything else you're involved in, please feel free to share it in the chat. As you know, um, female tech founder has a regular newsletter and is always happy to share events with you know partner events that are happening around around the city and around the interweb. Isn't that right?
0: <laughs> I that was really good, indeed, indeed. So,
1: um so we're coming to a close now. So we've heard we've done a lot today. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Natalie Asprey, how many pivots have you counted since we started the session at the beginning? And we'll see if we got our bets right. Natalie, 17. Oh my goodness. That's a bit lower than I maybe thought it might have been. But, you know, the show's not over just yet. And um, we heard from Terry to begin with. We heard of her many different businesses, how she juggled them all, how she escaped to Spain, how she'd been writing books. And we know she is going to get up to something really exciting next. And we're just going to wait with bated breath till we see what that is, Terry. I'm really excited. Um, We had a great breakout session where you got to meet some new people and hear about their businesses and what they're finding. And you all look very excited about that when you come back into the room. And then we heard from Jenny, who has given us loads of food for thought on pricing we've all been doing it we're all thinking oh my goodness maybe i need to just go back and check how i've been doing it we're definitely going to check out the score pricing scorecard and um and see what that does to our thinking but jenny thank you very much for that cool. as well go on get out there see how many more pivots you pick up between now and the end of today and we'll see you all next month